Sorry, I can't, I can't let you stripping. <laughs> the only podcast that is an audio medium with people stripping. Voluntary nudity play by Mandy. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Completely covered. Welcome to From the Bleachers, the only podcast that recognizes that Real Housewives is a sport in which the women are competing for additional screen time and social media fame. Today, we are analyzing the plays made in season four, episode 17, which is the first part of a three-part reunion of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I am Sandra. I am Mandy. And I thought first we could, because this was our first episode of the three-part reunion, right? I thought first we could go over our reunion seating score method, because that is now going to come into play. Lay it on us. If you didn't listen last episode, that's when we first started kind of talking about the RSS, the reunion seating score. And this is a metric to kind of show how the franchise, how the Real Housewives franchise values their players. So did they get enough action during the season? Did they put on a good enough show to get to the reunion, first of all, to get on the show first, to get to the reunion, and then to get maybe a better seat at the reunion, maybe some guests at the reunion, whatever. So we put together the scoring method to see how are they being valued by the franchise. How we tally the reunion seating score. If you are a full Housewives player, so that's like our core, what do we have this week, this season six? We had six women, yep. You get a half a point for just being in the season as a full player. Then if you also make it to the reunion, which usually it's very rare that a player doesn't, but we did have one in Salt Lake City, right? Jen Shaw didn't make it to the reunion last season. Uh, her her legal team advised that she <laughs> not do the reunion while she was waiting for sentencing. It's not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> so if you also make it to the reunion, you get another half a point. So that's one point for your full season of play, which is season of play plus reunion. Then it, then it matters where you're sitting. So there are two prized seats directly on either side of DLAC or Dark Lord, Andy Cohen. And these are kind of the hot seats or preferred seating. I don't know. We'll have to come up with a great name for it. I swear, I swear, Mandy, at some point I read somewhere that they have a name for it. When Heather walked out, she says to DLAC, she's like, oh, it looks like I got the hot seat again this year. Yeah. I heard that was on my version too. Yeah, there was something there was some other name because I've heard hot seat used on other like reunion shows. I swear. And maybe it was in a dream. Oh, now I want to Google it. I know. I can't <laughs> remember it. I've tried looking it up. And so I'm like, maybe I dreamed it because I can't find it. So the two prized seats next to DLAC, if you get one of those seats, you get a full bonus point. The reason being it has been revealed and alluded to and talked about a lot that these seats are chosen for the people who are embroiled in the most drama, who have the most to talk about on the reunion, who are maybe at odds with one another, but it generally means they're not getting rid of you. Yes. It's a, it's a strong indicator that you brought viewership, which at the end of the day is what they care about. So that's the bonus point. Also, you can get some bonus pieces of a point, decimals. If a person closely associated with you, so like usually it's a family member, a husband, a significant other, Husbands. a wife, we now have, they're bringing in some more diversity. We now have some in other locations. We have some same sex couples. Um, if one of those 
people or like a mother or a grown child. Oh, he just, you say mother and you make me so sad. Bobo. I miss Bobo. I'm so mm. sad. I don't, she's not going to be on this. I don't think so. I don't think that that bonus breaks my heart of a point is going to Monica for that. So if you get someone like that on who's associated with you on the reunion, you get a bonus 0.25. I think it makes you more compelling as a player. I can point to some like historical people who had some great family members on like Vicki Gumbelson, who had her boyfriend Brooks who faked cancer and then was arguing at like <laughs> yelling back and forth with her daughter on the reunion. And it was like, that's worth some bonus points right there. Like everyone's tuning in for that. I I'm tuning in just to see who in the world <laughs> fakes cancer. Yeah, I know. I, oh, OC. Okay. Um, and then we have some great mothers. Uh, Miami had a great mother who unfortunately passed away. So she's no longer, we've had some great mothers on Potomac. Anyway, crazy mothers are are great on the reunion as well. So um, Bleacher Nation, by the way, in the off season, Sandra and I are talking about going back and doing maybe like OC's first season, Potomac, mm-hmm. we're, we're, New, Jersey. We're tra- New Jersey, because I'm super excited about the whole um, New Jersey accent that I want to pull out nonstop. <laughs> so in your comments, after you watch the show or go to our Insta play, um, page, go to our Insta page, Real Housewives Bend, Oregon, and uh, tell us who you want to, who do you want us to watch so that you can listen to the game analysis? Yes, we'll have a long off season. So we should, I want to dive deep into one, one franchise during the off season. I think that'd be great. I like it. I like it. Okay. Back to the RSS. Yeah. So that's all everything for a full player. Those are all the, the ways they receive points. If you're a friend of, so these are like the people, you know, Mary was kind of demoted or come came back, but um, as a friend of this season, uh, we've had uh, last season, Angie K was just a friend of, so they get like a lesser contract. They're only in a few episodes. Sometimes they make the reunion, sometimes they don't. So a friend of, just for being a friend of and getting a few seasons of play, they get a quarter of a point for the season. Then if they also make it to the reunion, they get an additional quarter point for a total of a half a point. You know, that way you get some, some points adding up if you've been a friend of during certain seasons, and then you be also become a player and whatever. So that kind of all adds up over time. So we add this score cumulatively over the seasons. And so each season you rack up more points and then we can see kind of like who's in the lead, who's got the most who's got the highest cumulative RSS score and that they're they are valued the most by the franchise and could be um, potentially called the best player of that franchise. Are there points for being in the middle seat one away from DLAC? No, we decided not to do that. And okay. the re- so at first I was going to make it kind of like a, de- a descending number of points based on how close you are to him. And I think there is some validity to like, if you're on the very end, like way far away, people say like, you're a little more in danger of maybe not coming back. But I've also read that they will sometimes make the order where they're sitting on the couches just have to do with friendships. So like, they don't want so-and-so sitting next to so-and-so. And so I felt like that was a little bit too, it wasn't as exact of a science as the, the seats directly next to him. And I feel like Whitney is perennially third seat away, but I don't think she's in any danger. I don't I 
mean, I don't think she's like in direct danger, but I also wouldn't call her one of the strongest players. Like it's not surprising. Yeah. And it always surprises me that Meredith is in the middle because I'm sort of Mm. like, she never seems like somebody who has a lot of strong plays, at least at this point in the season, she didn't. But then again, in the beginning of the season, she had, she was on fire in Palm Springs. Yeah. And the way, and remember the way she played the whole, like people were coming after her for creating a fake Instagram account and she just turned it on them the next episode. Yeah, that's true. You're well, right. She does. She does. Have She's good. Life. She's good. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the breakdown of the points. Um, that is how the cumulative score works. We could also average the score out if we want to play around with it, compare like a new player to a more seasoned player, um, one player from one franchise to a player of a younger franchise. So you divide by the seasons, number of seasons they've been in, and then you get like an averaged out score. And then you can kind of compare two players who are maybe have a different number of seasons of play to see kind of like, could they compete with each other if they had the same number of seasons of play? So just a fun little metric that we can play around with as we go, as we co- as we continue to cover this sport. All right. And so as we are coming into season four's reunion, where our current players stand. Yeah. So this is at the end of season three. Right. So coming into it, we have not added any scores yet for season four. We're not going to do that until the end of the reunion airing completely into all three episodes of aired. So coming in, we've got... Starting at the bottom, we've got Angie. And so Angie just has her half a score. Half point, yeah. Half point for being a friend of in season three. Or I guess at the bottom, because we don't have even have her in here yet, is Monica. Because she comes in with zero. <laughs> as a rookie. Yeah, Monica comes in at zero. A complete then, rookie. Angie comes in at half a point. We've got Mary Cosby coming in. Her cumulative RSS is 1.75. Her average... And so the average would be like if everybody had just done kind of you average everything. So as if it's just one episode out there, right? Uh, Or one season. 0.88 is Mary's average. So next up, I think it's going to be Whitney and Meredith are both coming in at 3.75 for their cumulative RSS. And they each have an average RSS of 1.25. Next up. Heather Gay and Jen Shaw are tied at five for their cumulative RSS and their average is 1.67. And then this surprised me, but it did not totally surprise Sandra. Lisa Barlow leading with a cumulative RSS of 5.75 and an average of 1.92. So she seems pretty secure. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. It did actually at first I was like, oh, what? But then as soon as I, you know, we did put in, you get extra points for getting family to the reunion. So she has had John Barlow there all three seasons and Heather Gay has never had anyone come to the reunion with her. Now we even debated like, is this unfair to housewives who are single to have this kind of like bonus in there because the husband's off and make it on. But you see lots of single housewives bringing in other family members, et cetera, whereas Heather keeps that part of her life very closed. Um, and so I I think that Heather is an amazing player. I think both Mandy and I are maybe more biased opinion is that we love Heather, probably our favorite player. 
Um, yes, we are definitely biased towards Heather. We may have feelings about our highly literate housewives. I don't yes, know why they just appeal to us. Well, Whitney reads. Did you know that? Oh, bombshell. That's <laughs> right. Not many people know that. But Heather would be a better player, admittedly, if she opened up that part of her life a little bit more like she does she yes. and maybe it's you know refusal of her family outside of her daughters to participate in filming in which case maybe she doesn't have much control over it right. but but players who are willing to like let the family in and let it get messy and show it all that's like really intriguing and that but she does keep kind of like a, a wall closed there so yeah so yeah. that's why she is a little bit behind lisa barlow because both of them got the hot seat the same number of times as each other but lisa had john barlow on every time okay so with that going in we know where everyone stands we know lisa's at the top by a little bit followed by heather if you if we're still counting her also jen shaw <laughs> but she's we're not going to get in for a while her. so we know this is like this is it for her yeah this is the last time she's going to be towards the top at least for the next six years or whatever yeah yeah and then we've got whitney and meredith and then we've got um angie and then we'll and then we'll get to add uh, monica and a little a little more mary a little bit of mary in the sun so one thing, um, I watched this on Peacock. So supposedly I had a little bit of extra footage. Um, I was going to say, did you get to see the three? Did you get to see Whitney? It was Whitney, Lisa, and Heather praying in the elevator. Oh, well, hold on, because let me get to my coming up. I have to do my little coming up a little bit here. Hold on. Coming up. <laughs> After coming we up. see our, our teaser. <laughs> so coming up. Delac asks Heather and Lisa if they are bad leather. Angie asks to get Meredith a fucking kennel so she can finish her comment. I don't actually remember seeing that in the document. No, we have not. There's a lot. That okay, was so in that's this coming that was up not in the another, document. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. That's coming up in another episode. Whitney and Lisa are getting into it about their friendship fallout this season. Delac says that Monica has been accused of being a troll account and Monica produces her burn book. That's right. This is yeah, definitely from yeah. a future episode. Um, but I learned last episode that the burn book from Mandy, I learned that the burn book is a mean girl's throwback. Yes. There's the remake of Mean Girls coming out. So there's like mm -hmm. lovely there. I, I did see some stuff on whether it's really like tie in product placement and it's probably not because okay. Bravo TV is owned by someone different than who's putting out the movie. But anyway. Well, I did do, you, you might be proud of me. I did my homework and I watched the burn book scene on YouTube. Nice. And so now I have context. So in case anyone <laughs> out there in Bleacher Nation doesn't remember every detail from Mean Girls, the burn book is a book where they cut out people's yearbook photos and then they write mean things about them in there. We have determined though, Bleacher Nation, that my role is pop culture, like movie <laughs> references, maybe not music, but movie references and other sort of references outside the sphere of Bravo TV. And, and my Sandra's role file is... cabinet is just just overflowing and bursting at the seams with Bravo info. <laughs> yes, and personality type info. Um, and my role is what are you talking about every time you bring up any pop culture reference? But anyway, I thought that was it's a, we can talk about it whenever the burn book actually comes out, but that's a weird choice to name her book. We'll find out what's in it, I guess. Yeah. Monica calls fellow rookie Angie a bench warming bitch. 
So already in the previews, we have reset the eWib, that's our episodes without invoking bitch, to zero yet again. Yet um, again. But I love the sports reference here. Yes. Thank you, Monica. Yep. The Game of Roses podcast, they call these moments in the game where a player uses a sports or game analogy to talk about their play, game speak. So I imagine we'll have more of this during the reunion. Yes. It's our first game speak. Mary is there, and it seems like she might be on Monica's side. We'll see. D-Lack asks everyone if they feel differently than when they came in, and we just got a lot of face shots. No answers. So we'll have to wait to see <laughs> if there's any resolution. D-Lack asks Heather to talk about Jen Shaw giving her a black eye, and Heather does some head-in-hands face play, and they show Whitney producing tears. So it seems like we'll finally get the story here eventually, hopefully. So that was our coming up. And now we're in New York City, shots of the Statue of Liberty and the city. And as each woman arrives and gets out of their vehicle, we get a flashback to a dramatic moment of them from the finale, all involving the reveal of Mana. Monica being reality Vaughn Tees. And as Monica gets out of her vehicle, which they show her arriving last. So she yeah. gets a TFP here. I noticed T that. She also gets a dramatic music change. Like the music also mm. became a little darker. <laughs> yes. So TFP um, listeners, that's, excuse me, Bleacher Nation. That is a tardy for the party. So if you're the last to arrive to something, it, generally that's done on purpose. The producers tell you when to arrive, or maybe they just cut it to make it look like you arrived last for drama, for setup, because something you're embroiled in something. And then we see her clip in the final ITM of the season where she says there is so much more to the story and we're all going to want to hear it. Then we get some shots of the set, which is staged to look like Bermuda, but with snow. We only get like a really quick shot here. So I'm like, huh? Um, we see DLAC and the crew all getting prepped. And then the ladies are given five minutes until filming starts. And we see Whitney, Lisa, and Heather in the elevator together praying for Archangel Michael to protect them. I wasn't sure if that was tongue in cheek or not. Well, it yeah, it looked serious and then they laughed. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wait, uh, but, uh. so I don't know who Arch, 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 am I saying Archangel right? Arch Michael? Well, now, Sandra, there's a great movie called Michael with John Travolta that you could watch that would help tell you more about who the Archangel Michael is. I could, but then I might not be able to catch up on Miami. <laughs> that's just more important to me well laid out <laughs> um note meredith is not in this elevator with them so no. i thought that was a little okay not all the veteran players are together in this moment i don't know why i don't know if that's important well, did you get the little clip of Meredith? They came back from like, they were coming back from a commercial break and Meredith makes a joke to Heather. Like, did you get your espresso martini? Which is um, a little joke about her drinking too many espresso martinis in Palm Springs. And then Whitney is like, wait, what? I want an espresso martini. And Meredith and Whitney are sitting next to each other. Meredith's like, oh yeah, I have one. I got it like two minutes before I had to come down here. So she might have been having a couple sips on her espresso martini <laughs> and not able to be in the elevator. Sure. Um, <laughs> Meredith arrives on set first and she is seated on the middle of the left couch in a long sleeve drapey red dress with a very low V cut. And it is a Givenchy dress, Givenchy, Ooh. 
Um, and she's wearing Manola Blahnik shoes. And guess what? Her jewelry is by Meredith Marks. <laughs> wow. You got all the details. This D-Lac- is the link I just sent you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that I didn't click on. DLAC notes that she brought her purse and she says it's because she has a lot of notes. So this is foreshadowing some good play. You got to bring receipts, evidence, mm-hmm. notes, whatever you can. And I like it that her notes that she pulls out later are hard copies, whereas everybody else is like, like bringing out there. Yeah. Which I love also all these things are like stashed behind the pillows. Like you see Angie reach under a pillow at one point to get her purse with a tissue and like Heather reaches back to get her phone. So they're like pillow pockets. It's like the clown car pillow, you know, yes, like what, what will they pull out next? It's like an it elephant. Absolutely. I love that. It's a bullhorn. (laughs) So then Lisa arrives on set next in a silver tube top dress with circular like kind of ring cutouts down the front. And she gets seated in the middle of the right couch. And that's a Tom Ford dress, if you're wondering. Okay, I was not. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure there are people who are. Well, there's the whole like fashion obsessed R-H-O-S-L-C people. So most most people I find care about fashion. Neither of of them get the preferred seating. We know already they're not next to DLAC. Um, And then we note they're on opposite couches from one another. So so Mm -hmm. sometimes who is on a couch together often shows which alliances are strong right now and which ones are on the rocks. So it's something to pay attention to. Angie is next. She is seated on the outside edge of Lisa. She's wearing a short red strappy dress with red shoes that kind of wrap around and up her calves quite a ways. I don't know this designer, Nancy Dojaka. I don't know. I don't know this. And I I apologize if I am totally mispronouncing that. And everyone can troll me in the comments if they want. I don't really care. (laughs) Whitney is next. She has a very vibrant sort of neon green, yellow. And then the fabric is done in this almost like large lacy way where it's woven into large flowers around her chest with lots of little pockets of skin showing in between, kind of like a flower on each boob. And she is seated to Meredith's left. And that is a Colt Gaia dress. And um, I really thought especially when I see her standing up in this little Bravo insider photo shoot pic of it. It's a really great dress for Whitney. It's a stunning, it's a really neat dress. It's kind of like a thick embroidery ropes almost, you know, like all curly cute and it's really great. Yes. So I liked it as well. And then Heather is next and she gets the first preferred seating spot, the first hot seat. So our first bonus point for our RSS this season is going to her. And she's on the same couch with Lisa and Angie and sitting directly to DLAC's right from our vantage point. She's on his right. And she's in a long orangish baby doll gown with an asymmetrical shoulder strap. Yeah, kind of coral. And it's like got pleated um, cups that tie in the center and kind of flare out across the bosom um, (laughs) with like that one strap. And then receiving another TFP, another tardy for the party, Monica is the last to the set and she gets the most dramatic entrance coming down the stairs in a dark green sweetheart dress, but with an asymmetrical shoulder. Um, And it's the opposite shoulder from Heather's, which is nice visually. And it's, um, and then there's this long slit all the way up her side. 
Yes. And she gets the other preferred seating spot. So she gets our other bonus point this season. And she's sitting opposite Heather, sitting on the same couch as Meredith and Whitney on Deluxe left. And I love this dress. It's Coed Johnson, if anyone cares. And um, Heather's was by ALC, just so you know. Um, I loved it, but I thought the boning over her left side on her chest was too prominent and very distracting and also distracting when she sat. Like I sort of decided my fashion play based on how the dresses looked seated mm-hmm. because that's, that's what these dresses are they're in. Sure. And it like was digging into Monica's skin up there. It just looked uncomfortable. It did not sit well. Okay. <laughs> this dress. So, so do you want to, are you giving your, are you giving your fashion play later? Um, I will say I, um, I, I struggle between, I thought both Heather's dress and Whitney's dress sat the best. I thought they both really looked the best, both, um, they looked really great standing and seated. I think Whitney actually, um, I think she deserves it. That dress is just perfect for her. Great mm-hmm. color really fun. It represents her personality. Like she's got the whole hair and the look that go with it. I do love that she is wearing her entire prism beach line of necklaces around her neck. That kind of cracked me up. I was like, she's got a lot of necklaces on. Um, But Hey man, that's, that's a great Meredith Marks move, right? Brand wear your own stuff. Yep. Good branding Um, play. So Whitney Rose wins my fashion play of the reunion. All right. I, right now I'm feeling Whitney. I, I, I'm with you. I think she, because she hit her personality type so well and Mm -hmm. you're really drawn to it. You like those flowers over the bosom and whatever, but I'm going to, I think I'm going to hold off just in case fashion plays into what they're doing later in the reunion. So I may, I may call it in a different episode. Okay. So we're in the control room and we get the countdown and we're going to start the reunion now in five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. DLAC welcomes us and describes the set as an acid trip. He doesn't know whether to be cold or hot. There's snow, there's beach and sand, there's palm trees and pirate ships with icicles hanging off of them. <laughs> that was an interesting choice. It, it looked a lot like, yeah, like Salt Lake City landed on Bermuda, that they crashed into each other. Yeah. yeah. DLAC confirms that everyone has not been together or spoken since filming, and Monica clarifies that everyone has been together minus her. Mm. And I like that he said, yeah, that's the point I was making. (laughs) (laughs) He asks the ladies if they were worried going into the season about doing their first season without Jen Shaw. And Heather says she was worried viewers would expect the same level of drama and toxicity, but that they were all excited to be rid of that. Delac jumps into the season and first we get a package of Monica kind of from early in the season, her intro into who she is and some of that early season stuff that happened on their first cast trip and at the ice skating party. And Delac brings up when Monica played an IFI with her mom, that's an injury fear or illness play about buying a, was it a Louis Vuitton bag? And because she felt so. like she she was afraid of not measuring up to the other women. And Monica says it wasn't about the bag. It was about entering this group of women as an outsider looking in. They all have perfect homes and perfect families. And here she is coming in. And she says, 
what am I bringing to the table? I'm a whore that's going through a divorce that has four kids and lives in a 3,000 square foot home. I was like, is that small? My house is just under 3,000 square feet <laughs> and it feels pretty livable, um, pretty big. Now, I don't have four kids. I just have the one, but... Um, we live in a 3,000 square foot home, but we have like worked up to this. Like we lived in a 1,000 square foot home. Yeah, exactly. Right and like, this feels huge. I'm like, this is too much. In fact, I, I mean, feel a little embarrassed at how big it is. <laughs> right, right. I I am the same. I am the same. Um, I did not like... I did not like the, I'm a whore. I didn't like her leading off with that. I think she's really trying to do this insecurity play, this self-deprecation play. And I don't, I don't like it. Like she's trying to, I think in some ways she's trying to take the power out of a word like that by Mm. um, ascribing it to herself. But I just think it's, I, I just think it's aggressive and it doesn't, it's certainly not setting the tone that we have discussed on how we're going to get ourselves another season of play, at least on this show. Right. I'm not sure about the word whore, but the it does she does continue her victim play here. Yes. Which has kind of been a theme for her throughout the season. So she's sticking with that. Um, and yeah, she is trying to come from like a vulnerable place here. Like I was coming in vulnerable with these ladies. So she's kind of trying to play to the, at least to the audience. I don't know that it's Mm going to work with the other women, but at least to the audience, like here, I'm the outsider. So that, you know, that may have an impact. No, I think, I think her supporters definitely, um, they much like Trump supporters really appreciate that outsider (laughs) approach. What did I just- Are you comparing Monica supporters (laughs) to Trump supporters? I am not comparing. <laughs> well, I guess I am, but not, I'm not saying they're the same people and they're, oh, they're doing it for the same <laughs> reasons. I'm just saying some people really like an outsider underdog because that's how they feel in their own lives. Okay. And that can give them power. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Bleacher Nation. Monica supporters are going to troll me. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to come out and say like I'm a full Monica supporter, but I'm not not on her side. I'm not either. I'm not either. I I just sort of, I just, I, that analogy just came to me about how certain, like, that's just how it is, right? People just identify and they want, they want to be championed by an outsider. I just don't know if Trump was the right example. There you go. Well, you know, Monica's the one talking about leathery, orange Donald Trump tan people. So. Delac asks why she was upset about Lisa going on and on about her 60K or her $60,000 ring. Monica says it's valid to be upset about losing the ring, but it was that she kept going on and on about the price saying 60,000, 60,000, 60,000. Lisa says she only said it was 60,000, 60,000 three times. And then we get a great little face play from Delac here, seeming to doubt that, although this could be (laughs) totally editing. Yes, um, that they put in her voice saying 60K over and over when she really only did say it three times. Lisa then plays a PTC, a personal tragedy card. Great play. This was a great play by Lisa. That Henry almost died after birth. And John Barlow gave her the ring in the aftermath of that when they weren't sure if they would have more kids. Um, And so it meant more than just the price of the ring. I agree with you. It's a great play. Although I wish we had seen it during the season, which is basically what Monica says. She says that is beautiful and um, that she didn't know that. And Lisa says it's no one's business. 
And she did say that it was sentimental and they show a clip confirming that she did in fact mention that it was sentimental. She just didn't go into detail. Lisa says, because she lost a ring and she's upset about it doesn't mean that she's not relatable to the middle class. It doesn't mean she thinks she's part of the 1%. It doesn't mean I think I'm better than anyone. And Monica cuts her off and says, well, you're right about that. You're definitely not the 1%. I thought this, that was like, I was like, great play, Lisa. Way to go, Lisa. And then she talks about like, it doesn't mean I'm not relatable to the middle class. And I was like, ooh, and you blew it. (laughs) Yeah, most people aren't able to just go out and buy a 60K ring whenever they want. Yeah. So when Monica says, you're definitely not the 1%, Lisa says, okay, now you're trying to dig me. And Monica says, no, she did research on what the 1% means. And that's like Shaquille O'Neal. And they all laugh and they debate that a little bit. DLAC asks Monica where she thinks the rumor started that she took the ring. And we see an Instagram story stating, allegedly, all the snowflakes are sure that the broke snowflakes stole the piece. Monica says she thinks it started over there, gesturing towards Lisa and Heather, and Lisa denies starting the rumor. Monica asks why they didn't go online during the rumors and say they didn't think that Monica stole it, and Lisa says, I don't need to do that. It's not my job to do that. And Heather says, and maybe we didn't think that, meaning that maybe they thought the rumors were true, that she had stolen it. And then Monica's so like, thank you. Thank you for saying it out loud. Yeah. Um, And Heather clarifies that she didn't say it out loud in the moment. Like she didn't actually say the rumor. Lisa clarifies the ring wasn't $60,000. It was $58,000. And that she has a new one now, but it doesn't feel the same. And Monica says, why are you directing that at me? And then she says, let me make this clear because this is actually really damaging. And it's stereotypical to accuse her of stealing because she has less. So, um, so she's saying the women are assuming that she would steal because she has less money than them. Right. So Angie starts getting in there also to argue. And Monica says, why are you talking? You bench warming bitch. Shut up. This doesn't even involve you just like most of the season. So she's calling out Angie's gameplay here and also has reset our EWIB. Too. Yep, that was the official resetting of the eWeb. I thought, um, I thought Lisa made another error here, where she keeps on talking after, like after Monica basically says to Heather, like, "Thank you for saying it out loud." Lisa keeps on talking, and she says, "You know, people like see your behavior, and that opens up another way for Monica to get in there um, against, against Lisa. Like Lisa is just a little careless with her words and her insinuations. She's very careless. Yes. And, and that is, is an error, another error in this moment. Yeah. I was just going to say like Monica is, is fully aware. Like right now, this first segment, what I felt is Monica is fully aware of her role as a player and that involvement in the drama is how you stay present. And so her strategy is to paint herself as that outsider being falsely accused because of her outsider status. But again, I think she's still being very aggressive. It doesn't look like she's going to be making any apologies so far. So I think she is not necessarily looking for another season of play on the show. I think just like Jen Shaw, she sees this as a stepping stone. Okay. (laughs) That's my thought. Yep. So then we cut to commercial and... We come back and we're still dealing with this whole ring situation. And we have the 
Monica defends that I didn't take the ring. I went into the bathroom 20 to 30 minutes after the ring was lost, which is not proof really of anything, I don't think. But I would say DLAC also agrees that we need to move on from this topic. And so he asks Monica, what was your relationship with Jen Shaw? She says we were friends and then I was working for her. She says in air quotes, and then we were enemies. She talks about needing help, um, like how Jen Shaw needed help with her life, which gets some big eye face play from Angie in that moment, <laughs> which was great. Um, she talks about getting her groceries, getting her to meetings on time. DLAC asks, like, when was this? And she was like, oh, I think it was after season one. Mm -hmm. And then we find out she received no payment. She did mm -hmm. it as a friend to help her. And DLAC and Heather ask, why were you taking time away from your kids for a job that didn't pay? Mm -hmm. And which I say in the inside after her first season of filming. So I feel like there's a lot of groundwork being laid here, um, both by DLAC in a way and by Heather. So Heather asks if Monica's approach was sort of like Kim Kardashian starting out as an assistant and got really far. And so that's what Monica was trying to do. And Monica denies that. And Heather's like, oh, really? Let me get my phone out of my clown car pillow. <laughs> and... <laughs> She brings out the receipt and she has a recording of Monica basically, literally, not basically, but literally saying Kim Kardashian started out and his assistant and look at her now. And I'm going to get on this bitch show. now. Look at that bitch now. So <laughs> a little more bitch talk. And she comes back and says she didn't know at the time Jen was on the show, but I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah. And this was a great play, great gameplay by Heather. But I also thought it was great gameplay by Monica way back when. Like, this is how you get on the show. Exactly. And they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to use that to, like, expose something evil in her. Right. But how else would you break onto a show like this without getting to know one of the women on it? Right, right. There's just no other way. Or at least, I guess there is another way because they have open casting calls, but it just wouldn't make much sense yeah. if you'd like to bring someone on. Like, they, yeah. I think they would prefer a referral. So from there, they do ask, how did Monica get on the show? And Heather is continuing to kind of push this narrative, I think, because she wants to catch Monica in a trap. So this is pretty good gameplay by Heather. Mm -hmm. um, Monica says, I wrote and I said, your show sucks. Your ratings are shit. And it's going to get canceled because you don't have the right cast, which <laughs> I'm sure, Sandra, you loved the head, neck, and face play of DLAC in that moment. Yeah, he, he like, did. He had a great reaction because it's like, <laughs> that's a direct insult on him. Like, not only is he the right. host, but he's an ex executive producer and like creator of the show. So I yeah. actually, I gave this face play by DLAC my face play <laughs> of the game to his hurt butt for, for her <laughs> insult of the show. <laughs> I agree. I think DLAC came in with the most face play on this episode, <laughs> and this was his best one of many. He had a lot of great little reaction shots, um, but this also was my face play of the game because it was fabulous. <laughs> um, Bravo shows the receipts. They show the email from Monica, which was not quite as... It was not the same at all. <laughs> It basically said, you need a feisty, excommunicated Latina on the show. 
Yeah. It was not like she didn't criticize the players or the way yeah. that they made the show at all. And the, but now she's talking as if she did. She's very, she's a very interesting person, Monica. I'm so excited for your personality <laughs> typing on her later. Oh yeah. I haven't really done a lot of, oh, no. I, now you're going to make me really think about it. Okay. <laughs> Monica personality type analysis. Put that on your to-do list. Yeah. DLAG interrogates Monica about her involvement with the FBI case against Jen Shaw and how she was told by a secret service friend to stay away because Jen Shaw is going to prison. And Basically, Monica admits she's the one who reached out to the federal investigators saying she had information about their case. And she says she did the right thing. And Heather has a look at Lisa. Like you see, there's a cut of the two of them looking at each other like what? <laughs> and then she throws accusation play at Monica, throws accusation play at the other women that they should have done it too, that they all should have come forward to the to the FBI. Yeah, she's definitely coming in very antagonistic towards yeah. everyone. Yeah, which is why I think she knows. I don't know. I mean, by the time this filmed, I would assume she this was post BravoCon, and so she probably mm-hmm. knew she was not going to be she's on the show nice again. Though. So she um, she I may mean, be looking for a way to parlay this into some other show, some other fifteen oh, minutes. Oh, you're thinking of fame. it's definitive, huh? I don't. I, I feel like it's pretty different. You don't think so? You think they're going to bring her back? I, I'm not I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I think she still has a good shot. We we'll, uh, need to see what happens on the next couple episodes. But. Yeah. So then the questioning moves on to her affair with her brother-in-law. And how did that happen? And we get this nice moment, which actually, you know, sends a lot of support Sandra's way. Maybe she does have a lot more to give to this franchise. She says she had deep conversations with everyone about that, and they were, quote, actually wonderful, end quote. (laughs) She makes a a nice point here that her taking accountability for her affair doesn't mean she has to self-shame herself for the rest of her life. Yeah, she. I love that she brought up that she had deep conversations with all the ladies, um, which shows that they didn't show these. Why? I don't know. Yeah, or they decided that she's going to be the villain of the season, and they want this to be something that they that is only seen from one perspective about her. Um, they just decided it didn't play into the storyline. They didn't have time. Who knows? But I'm glad she at least brought it up here. I think that's a good play. So we know that that happened there, that she did, did she does try to, she did try to show a deeper side of herself with regards to the whole cheating discussion. Agreed. And this is again, our through time and space connection with the show, because we have talked about how this was something we needed more of from her that we wished we had had more of. Yes. Heather, I think the next thing that comes out, Heather corroborates this business with Monica being excommunicated and then being rebaptized, mm-hmm. which apparently is, um, and I'm going to use a scientific term here, a fuck ton of work to get <laughs> rebaptized in the Mormon church. <laughs> so there's some nice tear play from Monica on this. Mm-hmm. This is all coming out as a little bit of a PTC. And yeah. then we have the most dramatic, time-consuming tissue distribution moment from d <laughs> um, as he reaches over to give Monica a tissue. d asks if she is still in touch with the brother-in-law. Monica clarifies it wasn't her husband's brother. It was like her... Um, a brother-in-law, so I guess it was like brother's sister's husband or something. Yeah, something like that. 
Um, and D-Lag says, well, I guess that makes it a little less shitty. And Whitney says it makes it a little less inbred. She did take a little <laughs> bit of accountability in that moment too. She said, no, it's still, it's still just as shitty. She did. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Monica definitely. Yeah. When he says it makes it a little less shitty and she's like, no, it's still, still shitty. Doesn't matter the relationship. I agree. I thought that was quality. Yeah. So they talk about how hard it is to have things from your past like this be put out in the public and then to be trolled, to be called a whore. And Whitney pulls, she gets a little bit of action in there as well, putting her PTC out there for having had an affair and then having been trolled for it. And Heather comments, like they're all talking about how the trolling really hurts. And Heather adds, those comments really hurt. So they're laying a lot of good groundwork here on how awful trolling is, which I think is going to come back to us when we get to the reality Von T's bit. And I did notice Whitney being like a little bit supportive of her in this moment, which is interesting mm -hmm. because Whitney, they did seat her next to Whitney. So that could be an yeah. in for her if she's, if there's a chance of her getting back on next season, maybe there's a bridge to Whitney. Yep. I think if, if she's going to get on, it's going to have to be through Mary Cosby is my theory, but. Yeah, but Mary Cosby doesn't pull enough weight, I don't think, anymore. No, but I think she would be a friend of, and then that would be, yeah. that mm, would maybe. I don't know. So coming back from commercial, we go into a Whitney flashback package now about Whitney saying bubble baths with other people are creepy and gross and Meredith getting mad about it. Um. I mean, there are a few things in the clip, but that was the first thing. And in this moment, I was struck. I was struck, Mandy, about how boring this season would have been without Monica. I mean, right. think about it like a stupid bathtub fight, Angie and the Greek mafia, Whitney chasing Heather down the street about exploiting her sexuality in her book. Like that's what this season would have been without Monica. Yeah. So we really did. So she was right in her little pitch. We, yeah, they did need her on the show. Like, that's why we got such an amazing finale. Yep. There's no doubt about it. And unfortunately for Heather's comment in the beginning when they were talking about Jen Shaw and she says, like, I was worried, you know, I, I, but I was excited about the opportunity for people to just see a show without all the drama and the craziness and just see a show about women's mm -hmm. friendships, which that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to get you a whole lot. Like conflict is what people like a story, a plot, any, you know, fiction or nonfiction, it needs conflict. Yeah. I do think the relationship stuff between Whitney and Lisa is somewhat interesting and compelling. We could do a little bit there. DLAC asks where Meredith and Lisa are today. They both agree they're in a good place now, despite some bumps in the road. DLAC asks where Whitney and Heather are today. And Heather says, it was easy to get back to true love, but there's still some stuff to work through constantly. And Whitney describes it as trust issues and says their relationship just looks different now. Delac brings up how Whitney called Meredith out for always deflecting when issues come up and asks if Meredith saw that side of herself when watching back. And she says, no, the opposite. She said she has stuff going on just like anyone else, just like Whitney had her friend pass away and that affected her. And she says she respects others' feelings, but they don't respect hers. So Delac presses further on this and says, 
the others won't know what's going on and then she'll still bring it up in the middle of the conflict so they're going back to like what happened in the beginning how there was some friend who had a kid who was a child will be disabled for the rest of his life or yes. something yes. and nobody knew this was going on and she all, got, all yeah. of a sudden pulled it out right in the middle of when they were upset at her for something so um she says she tries to push things in her life away and not deal with it, but then it reaches a breaking point. Um, and so that's what happened in that moment. And that's what sometimes happens in other moments. And both Whitney and Lisa say they want to be there for her when she's going through things. Meredith says she doesn't need an excuse to disengage. She'll just disengage when she's had enough. And then we get clips of her disengaging. I loved is- that good that's a good point so um she says she's not bringing these things up in his excuse that they really are hurting her and heather says ice queen has a heart and we learned that this season i wanted to quickly circle back sorry um during that bermuda dinner fight about whitney and lisa's friendship when they were showing that i thought it was really interesting you hear whitney at reunion over that saying they spun the story so well there Um, Mm. which was like a great reminder of the power of the editors to shape the narrative of these seasons and that we don't really know what was going on in in most of these scenes. Right. And the women don't know what it's going to look like until they see it back. It it was very different for them in the moment than than they see it when it's put in this final package. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Must be an interesting experience to go through as a player. I would imagine Then as Whitney is telling Meredith that they were just trying to tell their perception, Lisa pivots the conversation and says Whitney needs to see things from their perspective too. And she brings up the plated event where Whitney was upset that Lisa hadn't checked in on her enough. And she says she did check in on her. And then we just see the flashback of her doing just that. They bicker and back and forth about this for a bit. And then it transitions into talking about the scene at Whitney's house where Lisa says that Whitney chastised her over and over again. And Lisa says there are so many things that she sweeps under the rug so that they'll be okay. And Whitney says, same. And Lisa challenges her to say what they are right now. We get some action music and some face reactions from the ladies and we cut to commercial. So what, what is, what is Whitney about to air out that Lisa has challenged her? And we're all on the edge of our seats. When we come back from commercial, we get a like a 30 second rewind. And Whitney says, it's this. I can't ever have a conversation with you. This big lead up to the commercial and thinking we're going to get something big from Whitney and then getting absolutely nothing, just a big nothing burger was my error of the game. But for both Whitney and to the producers. because to Whitney for not taking this moment to produce something, anything, um, and then to the producers and editors for making it seem like we are going to get something big and then giving us a nothing burger. I hate that shit. I hate when they do that. Those false (laughs) buildups. Come on. I love it. But, and and I will say it, I don't think it's nothing that Whitney produces. I think the fact that, you know, they, they don't give us that moment. And I felt like we saw it in a little bit in a teaser, But the fact that Lisa does totally make it about her and she can't take criticism, that is is the problem. She cannot take the criticism is what Whitney wants to put out, I think. We come back from commercial and Whitney says, it's this, I can't ever have a conversation with you. Lisa narrates 
what happened that moment at Meredith's event? Monica does this big, oh my God, which is an obvious little play to try and get it on the action. And it didn't work for me. I think we get some me monster play by Lisa, which really proves Whitney's point that Lisa makes it all about her. Mm -hmm. Meredith comes in with our peacemaker play and she just talks about we experience things differently. If you don't understand the way a person is experiencing something, respect it and ask questions. Um, so, and that's sort of been Meredith's, not her storyline, but her approach kind of the second half of this season is like, hey, if something's bothering you, why don't you just go and ask that person and talk to them and, <laughs> and maybe you can work it out kind of in an adult fashion. <laughs> what? Oh. So we turn to some spicier content. DLAC asks, why did Angie forgive Monica? And Angie, Angie is almost sounds rehearsed in a lot of her responses. Um, they're all very good. It's like she prepared. Angie says she was confused. Monica cried when they met at the little breakfast and she forgave her in the moment. They had all of that bonding over the moms, et cetera. And, and she put the blame back on Meredith after that. And that's why Lisa was so hurt. When Angie says, I gave her the benefit of the doubt, Monica snorts uh, and laughs a little bit. And Monica says she's laughing because Angie is saying it like Monica started the rumor about, um, which is what this whole argument is about, the, the rumor about Sean having gay sex. And um, when Monica says, you know, like, you're saying it like I started the rumor um, and everyone kind of feels like, yeah, Monica did. <laughs> but Angie's got her bottom line. I regret that I believe the things that Monica said because Monica has lied a lot. And she says Monica's lied a lot throughout the season and Monica's lied a lot here today. DLAC presses, how about being called weak and a liar by Lisa? And again, Angie's got these super well thought out responses. Uh, she explains that she was, or Lisa explains she was being loyal to Angie and it would have all gone away if she'd just known that Angie and Monica had made up, um, which was your point when we were covering this during the, the season that you hate it when it's like that threes company, like misunderstanding. If we had just had that one piece of information, Angie admits she was upset at how quick Lisa was to call her a liar and weak. And then she talks about how she followed Sandra's apology rubric, <laughs> uh, which is just like Congress is now using Heather's recipe for proof. Um, and she talks about, you know, like I took accountability. I acknowledged this, that, or the other, like it was just beautiful. Um, she literally kind of like went through the first three things on that to, to Lisa Nice work, Angie. Got to recognize that apology play and how important right. it is. It's so good. Meredith jumps in and gets involved that she, that they both have a beef that Angie didn't share the info about Monica. And Angie, like in all of this, Angie was coming across as kind of weak to me. Mm. Yeah, the, the rehearsed thing is an interesting point because I do think you need to prepare yeah. for, you need to come prepared for reunion 
have some good insults in place, maybe ones without the B word, have some good like tactics. Like here's what I'm going to, you know, here's the point I want to make sure I touch on. Here's like something I want to make sure I say, but yeah, you're right. If it's over rehearsed, then it doesn't come off as like authentic, as emotional as, yeah. um, yeah, it's maybe too put together. Yeah. I can't put my finger on it because I'm somebody who's not great about organizing my thoughts before I open my mouth. And so they mm. kind of come out. So like, she has a little bit of that pressure in her speech behind it. Like she's just talking to fill the space while her thoughts come together. Mm-hmm. But then again, it also is sort of so organized that it doesn't feel, I don't know. It's, it's weird. like she thought through all the points before, but Nick, she didn't memorize the exact wording of the speech, but she thought of yeah. every point she wants to touch. Yeah. Yeah. So she mm-hmm. just kind of like gets her way to all of them. So I think overall, these three women are basically, we've got Meredith, Lisa, and Angie, and they're all politely working through something um, and trying to actually resolve the matter. And it's not interesting. So then DLAC breaks in (laughs) if Whitney stands by her statement that Lisa lacks self-awareness and we get a strong yes from Whitney. So great (laughs) confrontation play, Whitney. Um, I like it that she's voicing a strong opinion. And then Lisa breaks in like she just totally me monsters the whole thing, (laughs) which is a little bit of self-awareness lacking from Lisa, (laughs) um, which is great. Um, And Monica breaks in trying to tell Lisa to shut up, which is just Monica being annoying. Lisa's taught, you know, I speak a different language. And Whitney's like, no, that's not the issue. The issue is you ignore us after a confrontation. And Lisa admits that. And she says, you know, I'd rather just take a step back. And Whitney, which we've seen this in their confrontations throughout the season, is basically like, that's fine. Just tell us that you're doing that. So I don't know. If you know somebody's doing that, do you have to make them say they're doing that? Yeah, to make it I don't feel know. Better? I like that um, Lisa agreed though. She was like, okay, I can do that. I can make that simple fix. And that's that's sort of like what our our veteran for are doing a lot Mm -hmm. this season, or at least especially um, Whitney, Lisa, and Meredith is a lot of this like, hey, when we have an issue, why don't we just like say something rather than stew on it and let our chatter and our brains overwhelm us? Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, it's nice to see. I I like seeing growth. I like seeing their growth as friends and, and seeing them willing to like do things to to help make the friendship stronger with each other. Yeah. Like it's, it's super like adult and grown up and lovely. <laughs> I really like it. So D-Lag asks Whitney, do you think you're responsible for making Lisa a better person? And Whitney gives a strong no, which we get some funny little face plays from Heather and from Lisa. And then we get that great conversation about how Lisa and Whitney really are friends. And D-Lag asks uh, that question about the comment, like no one would understand their friendship. And Heather jumps in and corroborates too about how like, yeah, every time I talk to Lisa, you know, Lisa's like, no, no, we're really good friends. And Mm -hmm. it's really cute. And then this is going to be my error of the game. Mm. There were were definitely some errors in there. But then D-Lag asks if Heather and Lisa are bad leather. And they joke, no, they're good leather. And Heather makes another joke, we're fruit leather. What's fruit leather? 
I don't understand the leather joke. Is the fruit leather like that stuff that kids That's eat? It's like a fruit roll up. It's like yeah, a fruit like roll fruit. up. Yeah. Okay. So bad leather would be like a fake friend. Like it's sold as a real friendship, but it's really behind. It's bad. That's my guess for bad okay. leather. And they're saying, no, we're good leather. Like we're a legit yeah, friendship. but then the fruit leather. I maybe they're just trying to be funny. I don't. The know. fruit leather was Heather just trying to make a joke, and I'm all okay. about that. I'm all about that. I thought that was great, but I don't understand the leather. I just don't understand good leather, bad leather. I, I feel like it must <laughs> refer you, to something. Good leather, bad leather. Good leather, bad leather. Isn't that a tongue twister? <laughs> like, red leather. It is like leather. a yeah. Your warm up. Good leather, bad leather. Good leather, bad leather. Um, yeah. So I have in all caps in my notes. I don't understand the leather joke. So Bleacher Nation, fill me in. Does this refer to something earlier in the season? Is this? It did. Yeah, it did kind of come out of nowhere. I Googled it because I was like, is that something people say about relationships? But it wasn't. It just was talking about what bad leather is and when they're (laughs) actually talking about leather. So I just like made the connection that they must be talking about a fake friendship or something. But I I don't know either. So we cut to commercial. Um, we come back, but we're not back online yet. They're all chatting on the couches. We talked about this earlier about wanting an espresso martini. Um, and then we get the countdown from the control room and we're back at it. I don't understand what my special extra minutes are that came on the Peacock mm-hmm. TV. If you got all the same behind or the scenes content that I did on, on uh, YouTube. I don't know. I'm disappointed. <laughs> One of my extra special content. You know, there's more than that to be disappointed about this episode. <laughs> oh! <laughs> then Delac says that behind Angie's large sunglasses, she was hiding rumors and nastiness. And we get a brief Angie package covering the rumors about um, her husband sleeping with other men or with any men, I guess, because she's not a man. Delac <laughs> asks Whitney, at what point did Justin stopped wearing his wedding ring? And why? It's always weird. They play these packages and then they go to like a different topic before they come and actually start asking the questions about the package we just saw. So he uh, he asks Whitney what point Justin stopped wearing his wedding ring and why. Whitney says the wedding ring actually wasn't fitting him and she didn't know that until he showed her and now he wears it on a necklace. At first I was like, is this manufactured drama? But maybe she really didn't. I don't know. No, I mean, I, you know, sometimes when you're pregnant, your wedding ring doesn't fit. I get it. So Justin's pregnant. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> That'd be a good storyline, you know? Uh, no, like Whitney says, like, you know, she's like, my husband's a big man, you know, like, mm. so his ring just doesn't fit anymore. That's you can get man. those resized, though. I've had my wedding ring resized twice. So they, um, she says they're doing much better now. They've been through so much and she brought a lot into the marriage and Justin is a really good guy and all the women echo that he's amazing. I thought this was really nice. That was very sweet. I think we need more good men on these shows. Like there's so many in like Miami, there's just like some really awful men, uh, New Jersey just has, has had in the past. And it was just like, ah, so it's nice when there's like some really solid men like uh, Justin or John or Jack or whatever his name is, Barlow. Um, and and Seth. Rice. Yeah. Like yeah. they're well, like, yeah. 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 You don't like Seth? Well, I don't know. The whole thing where, I mean, it seems like he's he's do- he's going through growth, but yeah, it seems, seems like maybe he wasn't emotionally available for a long portion of the marriage, but. Well, but that's why he is a great role model on the show because now he is showing 
that, that growth you can change. And ha- that you can change and you can be um, present for your spouse and, and open and it really helps. True, true. Good point. DLAC asks Angie how their family is doing after everything airing. She says there were a few difficult weeks where they were dealing with the information being everywhere because someone decided to drop that rumor on national television. And she says this rumor hasn't been around at all until this rat came out of the sewer. And here it is. (laughs) And Monica laughs at this and says she wasn't mean to Angie at all during filming. And Angie says she was mean. She backstabbed her right in front of her face. Which I thought was a nice little oxymoron. Can you back someone, backstab someone in front of their face? Uh, it'd be a big reach around, I think. Did you <laughs> not get the question from DLAC on how does it feel to be divorced for Monica? I don't think so. Or I didn't think it was important. What? Well, because it's very important. <laughs> Monica, so D-Lang asked Monica, how does it feel to be divorced? And she said, separated for two and a half years. It doesn't feel that different. And Monica's super subdued in this, like super like, like kind of doesn't even want to talk about it. D-Lang says, but I heard in the settlement, you're getting 16,600 a month in child support. Oh, I don't remember this at all. Monica acts like that means nothing to her. So this was after the conversation about ducks or sluts where Heather gets, uh, Whitney gets to drop that again. And before asking Angie about their marriage. So this must've been in the special cut that you got. This is my special limbo. Oh my God. (laughs) This is. is big. This is big. So Monica acts like the child support is just like, whatever, that's just money. Like this is like the tragedy of my marriage falling apart. Like, you know, her PTC moment. She's got to pay for that 3,000 square foot house though. Right, right. Well, and then it comes up that her business has zero value because it shut down when COVID happened and you hear Whitney say, huh, that's when my boomed. And Heather points out, well, you can still <laughs> buy blankets today. I bought some for friends, but they haven't been delivered. And then Meredith, like that doesn't get a lot of play. And so Meredith just asked point blank, well, can you still order blankets? And Monica says, yeah, you can. And and Meredith says, because I have heard, because there are stories that like you could, like people aren't getting the orders they've made. And Monica admits, oh, I've had to refund a lot of orders because I wasn't expecting to get that money. So what I saw there was this great coordinated play between Whitney and Meredith and Heather mm-hmm. to point out that Monica is like basically like fraudulently accepting orders for blankets from her business. Like she shut down her business because of COVID. And yet that's a time when all these other people who have online presences were kind of boomed. And yeah, so they're, they're painting like, like, like kind of like almost like fraudulent business behaviors Mm. um, and setting the stage for that with Monica, which I thought was really interesting. I can't believe you didn't get that. That was such good moment. No, it feels like it could be a reach though. I mean, I guess we don't know the details, but lots of other reasons could cause you to have to shut down a business during pandemic. Your kids are all of a sudden home, like whatever, but. Yes. And she does have four of them that were all home and she probably couldn't get anyone to help out. Um, And she could have legitimately just, you know, like not taken everything totally offline. And then suddenly after the show orders poured in and she was like, oh crap, I can't get yeah. online to operate she doesn't this seem like enough. the most organized person I've ever met no no <laughs> but I do I do feel like that was a super great coordinated attack 
by the other women like mm-hmm. that they just they just like circled her like sharks it was they're awesome. they're on a mission to get her off of the season off of yes. the show yep Delac asks meredith why she alluded to the rumors and nastiness unless her intention was to get someone to talk about it on camera and meredith says she didn't say it was about their marriage Delac says you said you want me to talk about husband and I'm laughing at his impression of her. No other host of a reality show that I know like does impressions of the players. Um, so I appreciate, but also I'm like, yeah, it's so, so shady. Dark Lord, Andy Cohen. Meredith at this point pulls out notes from her clown car pillow. She reads what she said word for word, which we all know by now. We've seen it a million times. Yes, we have. Um, She does a terrible impression of herself. (laughs) (laughs) And just like with other things this season, she gets gets into the semantics and she says she didn't say marriage. She said husband. So that's apparently very different. And she says she didn't bring up the rumors to get someone to bring them up on camera um, she was having a reaction after being provoked and having drinks, and she it was it came out because of anger. Angie says it's awful for Meredith to do this to her family. She's a pillar in the community, which Monica snickers at. And at this point, Meredith has more notes. She pulls more notes out of her clown car pillow, and she lists off all the things that Angie has called her throughout the season, including that she has multiple personality disorder and that she's a trampoline with eyes, which Angie clarifies was actually a compliment. And we get some great face play from DLAC here. And Uh Angie says, I do think I activated you. And um, she looks ready to get into it with her before we cut to commercial. But Meredith pulling out notes twice from her clown car pillow and reading off all the things about Angie was my play Play of the game. game. I don't think Meredith had a lot to go to, to go on in this reunion she knows she doesn't have a lot to work with but the things that she, that she were was embroiled in she at least brought something she brought a prop she brought something that could be shown that could cause a little drama so i thought that was um some good play from from her that is some good play you know um we had discussed prior to recording that i really hadn't settled on a play of the game or an error of the game just because it's in this reunion situation, it's sort of hard because we know there's so many other things coming based on the teasers. But if I were to say my play of the game, and you're welcome, Peacock, for having this extra content that now everyone's going to want to see, it's going to be Whitney, Heather, and Meredith circling around mm-hmm. Monica on this issue with her business and it having been shut down and having to refund orders. Um, that will be my play, play of, the, of the, game. the game. Them kind of laying laying the groundwork and banding yes. together. Okay, interesting. It was awesome. The trampoline with eyes, there's been some funny little um, photo memes. <laughs> I'm sure there have been. <laughs> Insta with that. <laughs> yeah, good. I like it. We come back from commercial and, you know, Angie again is like, uh, apparently I activated you. She tries to clarify the multiple personalities thing was like me making a joke about the different voices and that um, being, you know, taken as literal by the press when it shouldn't have been. 
And then the trampoline with eyes, she says, well, that's better than being called wrinkly. It just means you have nice, tight skin, which we get some more face play from DLAC. Uh, I noticed at this point with DLAC, because again, I take I take pictures of all the face play to put on our yeah. Instagram and our TikTok, uh, Real Housewives of Bend, Oregon, if you want to check it out. And I realized at this point that DLAC really only has like two to three faces. <laughs> he plays they are them like all over. sort of this like dog showing a card trick. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just like my dog. My dog does this little head cock thing. It's basically that <laughs> over and over again with like a little side hmm. side smirk, little side smirk. <laughs> and um, when he plays them over and over again, that or they just take the maybe they just take the same shots and just put right. just puts them in. I don't know, but either way, they play well. I I'm still gonna give it to him. It's great. Well, so here we have our first apology um, sort of of the game. And Angie says that she is sorry for making that comment, the spreading your legs outside of the marriage comment. And it was based on rumors she had heard. Oh, yeah. Wait, we got to play that. Let's hear it. Um, Meredith, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Basically, I was told that you and your husband were seeing other people. And that's why that came out. I'm sorry that I said that. It was basically in response to... Rumors. I think it's really sad for women to poke and prod at another woman for being honest about marital problems and to try to weaponize that against her at a later date when they're really happy. I, I think I think it's just. But I, Meredith, I when you bring up that. other marriages, you have to say I never yeah. brought up your marriage. You yeah, brought up Lisa's marriage, and then you said things about I my. So it just naturally comes back out. That's how this works. That's how this works. So. I mean, I gave, I gave her a one for taking accountability and a one for being specific. Mm-hmm. I suppose there is, there are good reasons that you could give her deductions, but I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't give her any other points. I just gave her a two, uh, but I did not deduct for the fact that there was some back and forth. I did. I gave her one f- minus one for an excuse. Cause she, I felt like at that, she, she should have been like, at that point when Meredith is like, you should like bringing this out to like denigrate someone who's been going through it in their marriage. She should have said, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. Like she, she needed to finish that out and acknowledge, yeah, that was the impact. Like, cause Meredith was basically saying, this is the impact it had. And Angie should have said, yes, you're right. And then she could have gone on to then talk about the other stuff. But I felt like she, she made an excuse in that moment. She said, but blah, 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 blah. And um, so I took minus one for an excuse and I gave her a one point total for a bare apology. Well, I, I, so I don't know which came first and it sort of would matter. Like it's kind of, if Meredith started the shit and then Angie, Angie fought back, and then Meredith says, oh, but you should have been a better person. I think that is, as Meredith would say, gaslighting one, oh, one. But so I don't, but I don't know if it was Angie that started it and then Meredith and then Angie. So I just don't, I don't know the order of offenses here. Fair, but does two wrongs make a right, Mandy? No, but three lefts do. <laughs> Which I was trying to explain to my child the other day. <laughs> That's like in, uh, it reminds, reminds me of driving around in San, San Francisco. It's the city of no left turns. Yeah. So you can never make a left turn anyway. So you always have to make three rights instead. And then go, yeah, one yeah, block no. south. Yeah. <laughs> or or whatever. So no, but I, I think, I think it's, I think it's kind of bullshit to sit there and 
to weaponize other, like to weaponize rumors, you know, the threat of rumors to sit there and threaten someone. And then when they come back at you to then argue, oh, but you should be a bigger person. I think that's, Uh, it's like, it's bullshit. It's hypocrisy. And that's why I didn't give Angie the deductions because like Meredith's been engaged in this back and forth so long. And I, I, I agree. I guess, yeah, she should have the deduction. It's a qualifier. End of story. I still think, I still think we rate the apology for what it is. Maybe we say she doesn't owe her a high rated apology. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> but what it, it was okay. only a one okay. point apology because she made okay. an excuse. So, um, Bleacher Nation, I am, I am, I am swayed by Sandra's <laughs> logic and reasoning, and I am reducing the apology to a one, and it is bear a apology. bear apology. <laughs> um, so, all right, so. There's some talk about Whitney using Monica to be the one to bring the rumors up on camera, which Whitney says is not true. And she didn't know about these rumors until Lisa told her in Palm Springs. And we get footage on that. And Monica says, like, I don't blame Whitney for what comes out of my mouth. So Monica is basically taking accountability that Mm -hmm. she wasn't and saying, you know, I wasn't using Whitney for that. And Angie raises a really interesting point and one of those, we didn't see this necessarily in the season, but Monica went to every single person during the first week of filming to tell them there were rumors about Sean. So that's some Mm. serious gameplay by Monica, if that is true, which of course she Mm. denies, Um, which Monica's denial of that is my error of the game. Because- If that's true, like, I mean, I guess it's only an error if it's true. She should <laughs> own that. And she should, you know, like, it made drama. It made this show more interesting. You yeah. know, like, that was her whole point, right? Yeah. Well, they didn't show, did they show clip evidence of her saying it to everyone? Usually when they have receipts, they show them. I mean, I guess maybe if it's too time consuming, they'll leave it out. But Yeah. Like if it was to every other person, but I think if you kind of go back, I mean, you, you, I, I remember seeing her in like different instances with at least two to three of the housewives, mm-hmm. like kind of bringing it up independently. Yeah, fair. Yeah, that moment so, where she says, where Monica says she doesn't blame Whitney for what comes out of her mouth. I thought that was good play. I'm And I'm starting, like, it's another sign to me that Whitney might be her target friend that she's trying to stay on the show with. Maybe uh, Whitney is who she's trying to get in with to try and stay on the show and, like, try and keep a, a some sort of a friendship or at least an in a, someone who might forgive her Um for her to be able to have someone to film with and stay on the show but we'll see i think it still needs to be seen the next couple episodes of the reunion and like who's going the hardest on her about the von tees is whitney going to go as hard on her as everyone else i don't know yeah and remember at the reveal on the beach whitney was the only one who was silent and just staring Mm. yeah she had a couple reactions at dinner i feel like but yeah you're yeah she was definitely um definitely on fire at dinner and also, just because Whitney goes crazy at something doesn't mean she's necessarily really upset or that she won't change her right. mind and, like, be okay with it later because we saw her chasing Heather down the street. Right. Like, you exploited my vagina for for your book. And then the next day, she's like, okay, we're good. We're friends. We're yeah. cousins. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Like, she did that for fun, basically. Like, yes. that was just, like, all just, like, lighthearted <laughs> just, gameplay for, just for Whitney. Just a Saturday night for Whitney. I love it. 
So Angie then does some great accusation play against Monica about Monica's me monster parenting, where Monica spends her money irresponsibly instead of taking care of her children. She mentions the Range Rover under a carport, which I was like, <laughs> just because you have a house with a carport doesn't mean you can't afford a Range Rover, but okay. Um, and then she brings up, you know, the spending the money on the purse when... Um, mm -hmm. she shouldn't have. And we get that great line from Monica, keep my fucking kids out of your fucking mm -hmm. mouth. And Angie comes back like, fuck off, bitch. You talked about mine. So, mm -hmm. um, that's how we end. That's how we end part one of the reunion with that altercation between the two of them. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Lot of let me fun. drop, let me drop the scenes from next, the next, okay. uh, coming up reunions. And then we'll give kind of our our, our overall thoughts on yeah. this episode. So, uh, next week on the reunion, they, they show DLAC reveals that Jack Barlow, Lisa's son was recently seen in California. Did he not go to Columbia? And Lisa says he bounced on his mission. He's not going, but, but you saw stuff. Yeah. Right? I saw something in the news about him being there and being in the hospital. So I wonder if this is just a, another nothing burger. I think it's a nothing burger. And I think it's Lisa making a joke. I think she's like, oh yeah, yeah. he bounced. He's not going. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. Yeah. No, of course he's on his mission. Right. <laughs> That's my guess too. Whitney tells Heather that she called Whitney a hypocrite for supporting Jack on his mission. And then we get into Lisa's accusation that Monica was stalking Jen Shaw's house. And we see maybe a bit of an allyship between Monica and Mary. Monica is confiding in her backstage. And then... Um, on stage, Mary shades Angie for being a rookie. But that's because Angie makes a comment about Mary being comic relief, which, sorry, <laughs> Mary is comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then Mary says, I can't remember exactly what rookie comment she made, but she was like, well, you have never even been on, this is your first season or whatever. And Angie could have clapped back more against her play. Maybe she does. Like, yeah, yeah. well, you got relegated. Like you were gone for- Yeah, you well, you're, I was a friend last year. Yeah. Yeah, you've been <laughs> demoted. Um, but I don't know if she'll do that or not. Monica tells Heather to shut the fuck up. And she tells the women that Reality Von Tees is six people. Heather says there's a full investigation on it and it's you. So we see that Heather's Nancy Drew side is going to come back. And I don't know if that'll be next episode or the one after. My guess is the, that they're going to save all the Reality Von Tees stuff for reunion um, episode three. Yeah, we also have the black eye conversation that they didn't talk about, the burn book, um, mm -hmm. the domestic violence that's apparently going to be revealed, um, and the Whitney and Heather hug, the tearful hug. Like Those are all things that they have teased us with that I'm really looking forward to learning more about. Yeah. Did you feel after this episode that we needed a three-part reunion? Not really, no. <laughs> Me neither. I felt like this, did we need this this episode at all? Like all we all want the stuff that's coming. Almost, we needed almost nothing from today. Yeah, I think, um, obviously I really like my play of the week, um, which they didn't even put in the main, <laughs> the main cut episode, which I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that we needed too much from that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it felt more like they were just, they were, they knew people were going to be tuning in because the finale was so big. And so they're just yeah. trying to stretch and get as much many ads and whatever as they can out of this. I was a little underwhelmed, I have to say, by this episode. 
but I'm still looking forward to what's to come. Me too. I'm very much looking forward to what's to come. Um, yeah. And I agree. Like, and, and that's, um, like our, our discussion pre-recording, you know, it's hard to, to choose an amazing play of the week or an air of the week or even an MVP. I don't know. Are I, you, I picked one. I got you one. one. You got and one. I, I feel pretty, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, okay. for her two TFPs, for her snagging a preferred seat next to DLAC in her rookie season, no less, for her benchwarming sports reference insult to Angie, for drawing attention to the fact that her deeper conversations around her cheating and being reinstated into the church PTCs did not happen on screen and for a double face play that I forgot to mention during her face off with Angie at the end of the episode, <laughs> Monica was my MVP. That is awesome. And I will say I did not, I did not feel like anyone played super strongly in a way that I, I felt merited an MVP award. So I'm going to piggyback on yours because those are actually all really good reasons to give her the MVP. Yeah, she didn't get a ton of action. No one got a ton of action. No one but got even, a ton of action. Yeah. Even as we're talking to all the other ladies, we're th- all we're thinking about is Monica and how's Monica reacting? And when is the big Monica yeah. Von T stuff coming? And she gets the grand entrance and she gets the spot and she's, stays relevant even when other people are because she's like throwing in her insults to Angie and she's you know I thought I thought she I thought all of those things like just annoyed me like so (laughs) going back to some of our first episodes that of our podcast like early Monica just like Mm. I found her annoying and I thought she was and like that's how she came across to me today was like Yeah, she can be grating on the nerves at times. Yeah, it's just like, just like, quit, like you know, it just she just seems so like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Mm. Like, oh, I'm gonna interject something so people will look at me, and I'm just like, I don't want to eat. You're not interested. <laughs> so, I mean, I do think that's good housewife play. Why was this thing on my finger constantly? I don't know. I do I've been wondering that for a while. I was like, I is do it think... a stand-in for the neck <laughs> I'm wearing. I do think that's good housewife play. However, if it gets to the point where it actually is so aggressive that it makes you want to look away, then maybe it's too much. Yeah, that's my feeling. I may have a lower threshold than some considering that I am um, tardy to the party for reality TV. (laughs) You get a TFP for reality TV in general. Considering my age and the number of years I could have been watching it. So yeah, I'm ready for the next two episodes. I'm ready for that burn book. I'm ready to really dig into the reality Von Tees yeah. stuff. Um, the lawyer up play between Monica and Heather. We haven't seen any flash forwards to that, but hopefully they'll get into that. No, and there's even, there's threatened lawyer up play between Jen Shaw and Heather. If she, oh. if she actually says that like, you know, in the sentence, Jen Shaw gave me the black eye that mm. she will sue. Mm. She can sue from jail, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can do a lot from jail. Yeah. I guess those are still to come. I'm excited to see all that. You can follow us at Real Housewives of Bend, Oregon on Instagram at Real Housewives of Bend, Real Housewives of B1 on TikTok. And um, hey, Bleacher Nation, you found us. Like our last episode, we got a lot of downloads. So people are finding us. Please continue to share us. We're just a tiny little podcast. So subscribe so that you don't miss our upcoming episodes. We are, after this season, we're going to switch probably to Beverly Hills. 
um, and cover the very end of that season. And then, you know, we'll do a bunch of fun stuff in the off season and um, review us on Apple podcasts. That's really helpful. Maybe tell us where you're listening from. I'd really love to hear that or um, drop a uh, tagline, what your Real Housewives tagline would be in your review, something fun Ooh, like that. Oh, I like it. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's it. I guess that's all we got for you today, guys. Uh, it's a lot, but it's what we got. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye.